0: Welcome to the second episode in our CFI series where we find out what was the recipe that made CFI such a success. The entire town ran clean out of electricity because of you. And for what? So your multitude of computers and servers
1: could solve some abstract math equations resulting in the mining of Bitcoin.
0: We have to go back to the origins of crypto with Bitcoin. Its feature here, in an episode of the series, Billions. Worth millions right now, whoopee, but backed by what? Nada, Nix, Zot. The scene offers a perspective of the opposition between traditional finance, represented here by district attorney, Chuck Rhodes, who's not impressed about the technology, and a crypto guy who will respond. What's a dollar backed by since we went off the gold standard? (laughs) CFI that imploded in May, June, 2022, but not before attracting tens of billions of dollars, intended to reconcile these two words, Stratfi and DeFi, for short. We want to find out how the players in the industry managed to forget any notions of risk and how so many investors follow them. To do so, we have to look at the technological, cultural and macro trends that preceded it. And on the technological side, the starting point has to be Bitcoin and its origin block that came just after the financial crisis in January 2009. In this exploration, I'm joined by Hirander Misra, the founder and CEO of Gmix Group, a global market infrastructure vendor that works on bringing together crypto and traditional finance for institutional investors. I started by asking him what was the state of crypto in 2009?
1: Very nascent. very few people knew about it, and those that did, it was almost like a peer-to-peer type of transfer and exchange, but it required a lot of tech savviness as well. And then the early exchanges emerged. I mean, the most well known of the early ones was Gox.
0: If you're not a fan of crypto yourself, this name might not be familiar, but if you've heard about it, it's typically for a specific reason.
1: Which is famous for that big hack, which meant it ceased operations in February 2014. In the previous
0: episode, we examined Celsius and how it failed due to basic lack of risk management. Guess what happened at MT Cox?
1: Lack of controls and or lack of controls thereof as well. MT Gox was one prime example of that. When we moved into offering a crypto asset offering on the exchange side, we looked into the failures and what was successful. And we found actually more than the technology, it was those operational procedures, surveillance, risk management.
0: So with... MT-Goxy render is pointing out at a problem that's recurrent in crypto, operational failures, and CFI could be just another example of that, or it could be a problem with early tech. But if we go back to our original block, it unveils a different side of the story. There's a message in the block, Times, the 3rd of January, 2009. Chancellor on the brink of a second bailout. British Prime Minister Gordon Brown announced the British government would provide 37 billion pounds, 63 billion dollars, to boost the balance sheets of three of Britain's largest banks. We must, in an uncertain and unstable world, be the rock of stability upon which British people can depend. Ask Heirander if this message was a coincidence or if it was carefully orchestrated to tell us something.
1: I'd say the latter carefully orchestrated, but that said, there's no coincidence that Bitcoin came about in 2009 after the banking crisis of 2008 and effectively macroeconomic mismanagement that was rife. And the irony is some of the risks that we're seeing play out with certain events in the crypto sector, I mean, they played out in the TradFi sector in 2008, with with ripple effects and with mortgage backed securities, and then everything that ensued with the likes of Lehman Brothers going down. So it's not as if it hasn't happened on the traditional finance side. It's
0: what we hear in the Big Short
1: about the mortgage
0: bond. My firm's thesis is pretty simple Wall Street took a good idea, Louis Renneri's mortgage bond, and turned it into an atomic bomb of fraud and stupidity. Could this be used for CFI with yields from DeFi, another type of atomic bomb, although probably on a smaller scale? That brings us back to the human nature and maybe the natural tendency for finance to go that way when it's not regulated. That means that without the rules in place, finance will be driven to mismanagement and even fraud.
1: But that happening brought an evolution in terms of that market structure and the way that risks were handled going forward and things like regulations and policy considerations around Basel three, which will translate and become Basel four next year. Capital adequacy in tier one capital reserves, what proportion of those banks can lend out as assets and a lot of that was brought in place and put in place because of what happened
0: so the irony is that bitcoin and then crypto is born from the ashes of the system in place pre-global financial crisis but the CFI crisis is actually very similar to it before 2007 institutional investors were placing the funds in instruments that were opaque and complex 10 years later it's mainly retail investors that trusted their savings to platforms that were Opaque and complex.
1: Those that held the assets there didn't even know that they were being lended out. It's a process in traditional markets called rehypothecation. That there needs to be client agreement around that, an agreement around which assets are segregated, vis-a-vis which ones are. And all of this was quite opaque in a lot of these platforms, and everyone got very obsessed with yields and the interest rate they were getting rather than the risk that they were facing, really.
0: George W. Bush in 2008. Financial assets related to home mortgages have lost value during the housing decline, and the banks holding these assets have restricted credit. As a result, our entire economy is in danger. The parallel is clear with the subprime crisis. Looking for yields, not understanding or willing to look where the risks come from. That's the supply side, to understand how CFI platforms. And we know that since 2009, we have lived in an environment of very low interest rates.
1: Effectively, since that time, leading up to recent increases given inflationary pressures, interest rates have been very low and effectively. With inflation rising, effectively in real terms, incomes and net income has been going down in terms of purchasing power. And therefore, it's natural in those periods, people look for assets that generate a higher return. And crypto has been one such asset class, which has generated some phenomenal returns up until that recent market correction. And it's natural that you always have those that get into the asset class and then lots of followers and then the hype cycle ensues and everyone kind of piles in and then there's a market correction. And typically at the wrong end of it ends up being retail investors as well. But certainly the macroeconomic climate has played a part because there's been very few asset classes that have been able to generate any returns or returns that are tangible at all really. And therein lies some of the issue.
0: And then there's the cultural aspect. and um- We can hear it again in the big short.
1: In the years that followed, hundreds of bankers and rating agencies' executives went to jail. The SEC was completely overhauled, and Congress had no choice but to break up the big banks and regulate the mortgage and derivatives industries.
0: Just kidding. Banks took the money the American people gave them, and they used it to pay themselves huge bonuses and lobby the Congress to kill big reform. Mashinsky, the CEO of Celsius, knew that and although he was clearly part of the establishment, he always chose to wear youthful hoodies that said either unbank yourself or banks are not your friends. I created Celsius because I believe that we have to have a company that uh, that basically puts a community first and creates a community.
1: And certainly that message resonates when you look at the poorer in society that have less access to the banking system or have less assets per se, but also certain emerging economies where there's no coincidence that crypto activity has been taken up more so than some Western activities because the likes of Africa, some countries like Niger are 3% banked. And having been there and some of that region, there is really a lack of banking infrastructure.
0: There was a lot of that in the promise from CFI and the likes of Celsius. It tapped into the promise of crypto and the consequences of the great financial crisis, and it was something quite easy to start.
1: The barriers to entry are a lot lower. That said, you know a lot of these organisations touting themselves as the answer to banking, with. Ironically, we're doing things in a way that was much more riskier than the banks that, that came down in 2008 and some like and Lehman ceased to exist.
0: Such a great environment was recognized by venture capitalists and they poured money into it. The abundance of capital and its consequences is yet another trend that we need to understand. To explain the rise of C5.
1: If you look at various consumer tech businesses or fintech businesses in general, the general multiple on valuation was something like 12 to 15 times earnings as well. And then when you look at kind of profitability in EBITDA, then ended up being 20 to 25 times. Now, if you compare that 12 to 15 times earnings with what was happening in the crypto sector, 50 times wasn't unheard of. And in some cases, it was a 100 times earnings, but with that valuation comes a different kind of pressure because you have to basically keep the growth in terms of client sign up in terms of revenues coming as well as that revenue pressure mounted. You have to look for revenue in different places where you wouldn't otherwise look for revenue because you have to drive that valuation because you've got investor pressure. Therefore you start taking risks that you wouldn't have taken previously. And therein lies a problem. And then, then ultimately. It's a domino effect, or where that whole pack of cards comes tumbling down.
0: Going through these trends, the tech, the macro, the cultural aspects, we can now bring together a recipe for CFI. It's not that different to the one that were used for mortgage-backed securities about 15 years ago. There's a new technology, favorable microenvironment with limited regulations, Providers that deliver high yield, at least for a while, without explaining how they do it and keeping their operation under cover when possible. In the case of CFI, it was also facilitated by the fact that what looked like saving had historically been safe and that we have become used to consumer tech where complexity is hidden. And that's a feature, not a bug. The success was also compounded by the anti-bank sentiment that the CFI players were fully embracing. and It was fueled by VC money that pushed for growth at all cost. But the mantra of move fast and break things can have very dangerous consequences when it's applied to finance. That leaves us to look forward and see what, what could be in store in the future. As we spoke a lot about transparency and making sure investors understand what they're involved with, we need to think about the terms we use. DeFi, CFi, are actually void of sense. We need to find better ways to talk about it. And we also need to talk about the role of regulation and standards. And the answer is not simply that we need more of it. Join us in the next episode to explore that and more. Thank you for listening.
1: This podcast is produced in partnership with Financial Markets Insights by the Realization Group. They are bringing together the best minds in the financial and capital markets industry to deliver high-quality thought leadership content. Thank you to Hirander for his participation. We'll hear more from him in the next episode, as we talk about the concept of hybrid finance in the post-Sephi world.